It couldn't be more different from the next sonata, which is in the, in the sunny key of A major, and it starts like this. It's a very lovely, like we are out in, in the forest, and it's like a cuckoo. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Sort of question and answer. It's like a big question mark, no? And now starts the real music. So that's the exposition, and it's a wonderfully fresh music. I th it's a pity this sonata is very seldom played. I don't know why. I think it's very difficult. I find it's, very, it's a difficult piece to play. And um, it's important to see under Opus 2 that Beethoven published that he deliberately he has given us the first piece very dramatic. The second piece is immediately lyrical and very, very tender. And the third piece, you will see, is, is, a, is a very brilliant concert piece. It's almost like a piano concerto, and it's also full of humor. So you have, you have drama, lyricism, and humor. And this, this is a, a trio under Opus 2. And that's why I also feel that I play this, this cycle in chronological order and I would not like to separate the pieces of Opus 2 to show you the diversity of, of these pieces, which would not be obvious if, if they had been separated. Uh, 
this this theme of transition this is quite extraordinary because here Beethoven does not look back at Haydn but almost shows the way forward to Schubert and I will come to that quite often because uh, Schubert so so much revered Beethoven and it's often with, with the late Schubert pieces that he looks back to the early Beethoven. Uh, he couldn't have known the late sonatas because those were not published yet and so uh, but he knew Schubert knew the, f the early Beethoven pieces quite intimately. And here this... Uh, so. Francis Tovey, who is one of the greatest musical minds, he, he calls this section a, a very important uh, example of, of modulation, one of, one of the earliest examples of, of masterly modulations for, for later composers. Um, then comes this thing. This is one of the first examples where Beethoven writes a fingering for the performer. It's an impossible fingering. It's absolutely unplayable <laughs> because the, the keyboard in Beethoven's time, the, the, the keys were somewhat narrower and uh, he could manage this. Uh, I wouldn't even attempt that. I mean, I really revere Beethoven and try to do every single marking that he does, but not this fingering, so I, I do apologize. <laughs> but the great Rudolf Serkin, who was one of my great mentors and idols, he, he took everything that seriously that Beethoven wrote, and he never played this sonata because of this fingering. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it would be a pity not to play it just because of that. <laughs> All right, so I don't want to run out of time. Therefore, you heard the exposition of this. Um, it has a very, very complicated development section, uh, which maybe I play a little bit. piece but a very dramatic development section full of huge outbursts and then uh, 
This is why people don't play this. It's very difficult. <laughs> um, and so then comes the return, and there is nothing really unusual about the recapitulation. The second movement is absolutely extraordinary. You heard in the first sonata we have a rather conventional adagio. We have here largo appassionato. That's the description. And this is, this is extraordinary. And this is, Beethoven writes later in his letters and in his notes that he's gradually more and more unhappy about these Italian words expressing music because they are not adequate. Then he turns to, to German words later because he was never really comfortable in Italian. And, and then he discovers the Melzel metronome. So he was really concerned about musical notation and, and how to convey his ideas. Uh, so Largo is a, even broader than Adagio. We know that from musical terminology of the time. And Appassionato is, is, is passionate, and this, this is an extraordinary movement. Uh, you can imagine again it for a string quartet, but I would go even further. The bass is marked by semiquavers followed by semiquaver rests, and they are like cello or double bass pizzicati. You can imagine the plugged strings here. Above that, we have either the other three string instruments, but I could imagine it for, for three trombones, three muted trombones. And together, it's a wonderful sonority. He writes sempre tenuto for the chords, so it's always hold the chords, legato, and sempre staccato for the bass. Everything detached. This is a very difficult thing to achieve on a, on a keyboard because the pedal will kill everything. So you have to do it with your hands and not with your feet. So this, this kind of keyboard sonority is, is entirely new, if you think of Haydn's or Mozart's music. The sonority is, is fuller, and the whole, the proportions are, are different. And then he, he changes the dynamics, and, and it, it grows in volume uh, to sonorities that make me think of almost of Brahms, 
If I continue here, from pianissimo to fortissimo and there is a, an element of fullness which is very new in, in the history of music. I mean, when I mentioned Brahms he was also a great admirer of Beethoven and the, uh, the cello sonata F major this movement is very cleverly stolen from, from this. <laughs> but I'm sure that, that there is nothing wrong with that. Uh, so after this movement comes an allegretto, a scherzo movement, which is very, very charming and very graceful. Again, Schubert must have loved this very much because if you think of Schubert's late A major sonata, so uh, I think it's quite obvious, but it's not not as much of a thief as Brahms. <laughs> Uh, the trio of this movement is in the, in the tonic key, but in, in the minor. And again, there is some hidden ag agitation there. that da capo, the scherzo returns. Uh, the last movement is, is a rondo and the subtitle is grazioso, very gracefully. This is one of the most elegant creations of, of Beethoven. If, if one thinks of Beethoven as a, as a heavy weight, which he is, but he this shows that Beethoven is a very complex composer. He has many different sides, many different faces, like this one. So it's, this movement makes 
nonsense of certain people's claims that Beethoven was not a great melodist. I mean, he, he could write the most gorgeous, horizontal, long melodies if he wanted to. But that's not what he always wanted. And also, this is very vocal because... Uh, if you listen to these huge intervals, it's like, like, an, like an operatic singer. You know, if, if you think of the... Of Cosifantutte, of Fior di Leggi, I mean, in those operas you have such intervals. And this is, this is a homage to, to the opera. Um, in this very graceful rondo, there is a middle section in the minor key, which I call the beauty and the beast. If, if this was the beauty... the beast uh, and it's almost almost parodistic because uh, he, he does not want to shock us but uh, it's, it's, he wants to achieve the, the greatest possible contrast. And he's using huge accents. Uh, the dynamics are raised to fortissimo as opposed to the pianissimo of, of the previous section. And he's using these, these very thick chords. Uh, it's also characteristic of, of Beethoven's piano playing and his style that he's... Uh, <laughs> writing for, for the full fist. It's not, not so transparent like Mozart's piano writing or later Schubert's. Yes, so this would sum up the second sonata. If I may move on to the third one, if you still bear with me. <laughs> 